Hello. Um, so listening back to this, it felt long. So I decided to split this episode into a part one and a part two. So the first part is going to be kind of more about ascension. Um, so us moving up to meet higher energies. And then the second part is going to be more about incension. So those higher energies coming down to meet us. I hope you enjoy it. So yeah, let's get going. Starborn podcast. I am your host, Elizabeth. Before we jump into today's episode, I really just want to say thank you. Thank you so much. 
Um, everyone who has reached out with support and kind words about the first episode, I mean, my heart is just so filled. And I just want to make sure that I say thank you and let you know how much um, I really appreciate it. And it makes me even more excited to be on this journey now. <laughs> it's also a little scarier, um, just because I actually know people are going to listen to it. Um, and it's like, <laughs> like, at least with the first one, there was a chance that no one would hear it. And then I could just sit in this bubble. But now that's clearly not the case. Um, and it never was. This was always going to be listened to because that's my job. I actually had a lot of fun recording the first episode. And as soon as I put it out, my guides were like, all right, you've unlocked level two. And <laughs> I um, channeled the entire next episode, which is this one. And so this is going to be really about the nature of suffering and self-victimization. I said a few times in the last episode that the type of information I came here to protect and then kind of like redistribute had to do with community and relationship and how we are going to be able to connect to each other in the new world to make a higher form of society function. But in order to do that, we need to understand the blocks that are keeping us from being at that place already. And in my opinion, the biggest block is really our fear, our pain, and our tendency to project those things outside of ourselves and blame others for our experience with our fear and our pain. Because as long as we are giving custody of our wholeness and happiness to others, as long as we are giving outside forces, external forces, power over how we feel and how we handle the karma that we came in this life to clear, as long as we keep doing that, we're disempowering ourselves and we're setting all of our relationships up for failure and disaster because you can't take care of everyone around you with this disregard for yourself because you think that everyone else will return the favor. At a low vibration, that kind of mentality just leads to disappointment and more pain, and it makes it really easy for us to stay trapped in that space. So that's what I want to talk about today. I want to present a different way to come to terms with the things that happen in our lives and a way to take responsibility so that you can heal those things instead of projecting your power outwards and waiting around for yourself to be saved. But 
before I get like deep into that, I think it is important to reiterate a bit of what I said at the beginning of the last podcast. Um, It's super important that you remain your own authority. So if you're listening to this right now, there might be some of this that you agree with and some of this that you don't. There might be some of this that sits well in your body and there might be some of this that just doesn't feel right. Again, I'm just going to encourage you to take what resonates and leave anything that doesn't. Even if it's something that you wish would resonate, but it doesn't right now, just give yourself time. Sometimes seeds get planted to kind of open your mind up to a new way of thinking, but there might still be some experiences or other perspectives that you still need to collect before everything settles in the right way. Kind of like you need all the puzzle pieces and if this isn't the last one to like click everything into place, it might just not be time for this to make sense or feel right. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that it never will, you know, if it's something that you want to aspire to. Um, But just don't try to like make anything fit. Don't try to force anything to fit if it doesn't do that naturally. A lot of this stuff requires a bigger zoomed out perspective. So yeah, just above all else, trust your gut, follow your own intuition, and take what you want. The other kind of caveat that I want to give here is there's a lot of different ways to look at all of this stuff. When you get really deep into big universal truths, um, you'll find that there are a lot of paradoxes. A good example of this is um, like desire and attachment. And anybody who's like read about that has probably heard that even the desire to have no desire keeps you from having no desires because it in itself is still something that you can cling to um, and aspire to. And so to really have no desires, you have to be okay with having desires. And there's just endless more, anything really, just full of paradoxes and it can be frustrating if you're trying to hold that information in your mind. Everything that I'm about to say is going to be from a pretty high viewpoint, pretty high dimensional, which means that if it's taken the wrong way, it might sound like spiritual bypassing or victim blaming, kind of the idea of like, oh, well, you're suffering, just get over it because it's meant to be. And that's not my purpose or my point. So I want to make that clear. 
you have to feel your feelings and all of the pain that you've been through in this life, in the physical realm, emotionally, it's all very real. It exists. And I know it wasn't easy. That truth can exist right alongside everything else that I'm about to say. And since I channeled this message, um, I already know that I'm going to talk about this more um, kind of towards the middle or end. So this is getting long, drawn out, defensive and clunky. So I'm going to go ahead and just get started. So let's jump right in. The main thing that is blocking us from having healthy, interdependent relationships is fear. This is because all destructive behaviors stem from a core fear, some fear that a person holds and then they project outwards. A really great example of this is that old trope of like somebody is dating someone and they think that they're about to get broken up with. So boom, they pull the trigger first. They wake up with the other person or any type of that kind of preemptive rejection. So you really like this person, but you're afraid that, ah, they would never like you. Or, um, Maybe you're just afraid that people will dislike you or be mean to you. And so you protect yourself by just being mean first. Those are great examples of completely destructive relationship behaviors that are not grounded in reality. They are grounded in fear. This is kind of how we interact naturally. We all have some sort of core wounding and we're constantly trying to protect it. We don't want to be made fun of, so maybe we make fun of others. Or maybe we hide ourselves away and we don't allow those relationships to form, even though they could be beautiful. But we preemptively shut that down because we're afraid of getting hurt. And now I'm using kind of like intimate relationships here as the example, but this can apply to really anything um, that involves a relationship. So this could be someone's relationship with money. Maybe they are really, really um, greedy on the outside. That's what you get to see. But inside, they have this fear that they will never be supported. There's never enough, money is scarce, and they need to hold on to everything that they have because they don't know how long it will last. So their greed might make them have a negative impact on others. They might be really selfish. They might prioritize their own extravagant well-being over somebody getting necessities. And it's not because deep down they're like evil, but it's because deep, deep down they have this fear that is driving their actions, their behavior. Any type of fighting or warlike scenario. There's a saying that says something about, you know, 
um, no one sees themselves as the aggressor. Everybody sees themselves as defending something. I am the most anti-war person, but I do think that that's true. I don't think people are just evil out to get others. I genuinely think that even the most heinous acts are warped expressions of fear. People are afraid that if they don't attack first, they will be attacked. It's really kind of large-scale paranoia. And it exists anywhere that you see people not functioning together in harmony. And I think it's really important here for me to mention that reactive and kind of outwardly expressed fear-based behavior is not the only problem. We also have repressive tendencies. Um, For example, myself, this is usually how I express my fear. I will channel everything inwards. In the example I gave about like withdrawing, hiding away, not talking to people because you're afraid of rejection, that also stifles pure interdependent relationships. And um, that's usually the type of hole that I fall down when I'm triggered and I want to react out of fear. It will usually be through self-criticism and pulling away, which really isn't any better because I have seen other people do it and I know that that can also be really hurtful. We usually think of anger and aggression as being the most obvious forms of negative behavior, but imagine having two fearful people who are meant to share love with each other, but each of them is too afraid of rejection to even look at the other one. That is out of balance and harmful to community as well. It's just not in a, a, a violent way. But these are all things that need to be addressed and fixed if we want to move to a place where we can give and receive love freely and in a healthy way. And so this is where suffering comes in. The purpose of suffering is to allow us to have more compassion for the positions that others are in and the actions or behaviors that result from those states of being. A great example of this um, is for anyone who has been in a service, like a customer service position. Um, So like if you've worked retail, if you have been a cashier, um, if you've worked at a hotel, anything where you have to serve people, interact with the public. Now, I can pretty much guarantee you have had to go into work on a bad day. Or maybe you've had to deal with some really grumpy, awful customers and try to keep a happy face. You've had that experience. It might not be the lowest pits of suffering, but like you suffered. That was painful. That was not pleasant. Now, 
Imagine going into a grocery store. You're trying to ring up your stuff and the cashier maybe has a little bit of an attitude. Maybe they're not the nicest. Maybe they are not too chatty. Their energy's just off. If you have been behind the register, you can project yourself into their experience and grant them some grace, grant them some forgiveness. You can assume they probably have had an awful day. They've probably been on their feet for hours and hours. They just want to go home. Maybe people are being mean to them. And so you don't take it personally. Maybe you're even extra nice to them. Ask them how they are. Give them a big smile. If they're a waiter, give them a tip. You can meet their maybe lack of kindness or lack of positive energy with love because you have an idea of what it's like to be in their shoes. You can see that it's not personal. They're not a bad person. You can extend them that benefit of the doubt and meet non-love with love. Just to really overstate this point, it works the other way too. Have you ever been in a rush? You're having a dog shit day. It's just bad. And you need to go pick something up from the store. You're rushing. The cashier's taking too long. Or maybe they're not, but you're just out of your mind. You gotta get out of there. And so you throw a little shade. You're grumpy. You're not very nice to the cashier. You're just in and out. Okay. Then when you get to the place where you are in a customer service position and you have somebody who is just giving it to you. They are just not being kind, not being nice. You know, it's very difficult to meet that with love. If you've already had the experience of being in their shoes, you can give them grace. You can say, I don't know what's going on in their life. I don't know why they're in a hurry. I don't know what has happened before this encounter to make them this way but I bet it wasn't good. I bet they're not in a great place right now. Only hurt people hurt people. So you can forgive them. You don't have to meet someone else's pain by inflicting your own. Again, you can extend this forgiveness that might end up turning around their whole day. And so this is how Deeper suffering leads us to higher consciousness. We become more able to see the connections between everything. We can understand where people are coming from. We can understand on big scales and small scales that people only lash out when they're in pain. People only withhold love when they feel like they need to. They don't feel safe. And so I just gave a few pretty superficial examples just because they're broad enough that I think most of us would be able to um, relate to. But you can apply this to anything. Childhood versus parenthood. If you can remember what it was like when you were a child, you can give more grace to your kids. If you can put yourself in the place of your parent and think about 
what strength it must take to be the guardian and the protector of another human being. You can give your parent some grace. You don't have to take things personally when your closest people are having bad days and maybe need space. You can even extend love to people who have harmed you, people who aren't in your life, but have had a negative impact. You can extend them love and grace and not have to hold on to resentment and anger yourself. The other really incredible thing is that if you adopt this perspective, if you start to move through the world trying to connect to others through their suffering instead of pushing it away and blaming people, then you can start to see it everywhere. Even if you have no idea, even if you have never been in that person's shoes, you've never met them before, you have no idea what's going on, you will have seen it to be true enough times that you will understand it is true all the time. So anytime somebody wrongs you, quote unquote, wrongs you, anytime you want to take someone's actions and make it their entire story, you can stop yourself and say, I am awake enough and aware enough to know that this is not about me. This person's behavior does not define me and they must be hurting if they are willing to hurt me. Now, of course, this doesn't mean like stay in abusive places. Um, anyone who knows me personally, I am quick to drop people who show no sign of being able to respect me. But in order to really move through the world in love and in order to like give people opportunities to evolve and transcend their fear-based reality, you do have to be coming from a place of love yourself. Just to give a little anecdote, I don't refer to him as this anymore, um, but my stepfather was very abusive when I was younger. And the only way that I was able to cut him out of my life with peace was to acknowledge that he too is hurting, that he too is just a wounded child who wasn't ever given the opportunity to work out his fears. And it doesn't make anything that he did okay, but I sleep better at night knowing that I have forgiven him, knowing that I have met his non-love with love, and knowing that none of it was personal. His behavior towards me wasn't because I was bad or wrong or flawed. I didn't deserve it. He just had his own fear and he didn't know what to do with it. So being able to approach every quote unquote negative interaction that you have with someone from this perspective of love and an attempt 
at understanding them. Hopefully you can kind of get the idea of how it opens everything up. I'm sure we've all had the experience of having a bad day and someone grants us grace. Someone lets us off the hook because they get it. They've been there and they would rather love us than blame us. That's such a freeing experience. It, it changes our perception. It's energetically holding the door open so that someone can decide if they want to walk through. Instead of trying to run away from each other, we find this common humanity throughout all of us, which is why we're never going to eradicate hatred with more hatred and distrust and anger. And I do mean that towards the people you don't like, towards the people who are doing things that you deem unfair. Think about an action or a behavior that makes you the most angry, an act of injustice that just makes your blood boil. Now imagine the people who are carrying out those injustices Imagine them as just being wounded children who don't know any other way. How is anger and hatred and ridicule going to fix that? We are never going to change the world that we live in if we approach everything from an angry, vindictive viewpoint. It sounds kind of bypassy, but again, this is the higher truth that we need to be willing to face if we want to make actual change. Do we want to punish people? Or do we want to heal them and help them right their wrongs? We have a choice. And we make that choice every day with every interaction. Now, so far, we've kind of just been talking about this on a very, um, like, smaller scale, it feels, you know, cashiers and that stuff. Um, that's really not the deepest suffering we've all had. I think most of us can probably find a theme in our lives that link all of our most painful experiences to one root fear or one group of fears. There are certain blocks that you might notice pop up again and again and again. And I think this is where our idea of like karma comes from. So you put bad out into the world, you're gonna get bad back. Um, a lot of people say, oh, well, I must have been an asshole in my past life because I just keep attracting assholes. This must be my punishment. We look at karma as punishment. We look at our suffering as punishment. We try to find this story that explains why bad things just keep happening to us. Why does nobody love me? Why can't I make any money? Everything always falls apart. I'm always alone. Sometimes we can even feel punished by our own reactive behavior. I always feel mad, I can't stop lashing out, 
I push people away. I never feel fulfilled. All these things. And we, we make them our story and we assume that they must be punishment. And now I could go off on a rant about why we think that and why we have this expectation of punishment. But I'll save that for another time. Instead um, of talking about what it isn't, I would like to talk about what karma is. And this is from my perspective. Um, As somebody who has read a lot of books and I could not find a definition of karma that I liked until very recently, like within probably the past six months. So what I'm about to share now is kind of a mishmash of my own channelings and um, all the things that I read that like did resonate. So I don't really believe in karma following us from one lifetime to the next. I think the closest we get to that is kind of like what I said about my lifetimes on Earth in the last episode. I've been waiting all my lives to like share all the knowledge that I've gained, but it's not my karma, if that makes sense. The closest I think we get to that is if your soul finishes a life and maybe feels like it has unfinished business, um, you might carry some of the same goals into your next life. But it's not, I murdered someone, now I'm going to get murdered, or someone I love is going to get murdered. It's not like punishment. Your soul is saying, oh, well, I thought we'd have enough time to go on this adventure, Uh, but we didn't. So I'm going to file that away, take it with me to the next life. Hopefully we can get it done then. Now, in this next life, in order for you to go on that adventure, you might have to work through some blockages. So it might feel like the blockages themselves is your karma, but they're not from my point of view. We aren't constantly being punished for things that we have done in past lives or even things that we've done in this life. There is no punishment. That is a falsehood. I said it in in the last episode, but we are all one thing. So the idea of punishment doesn't make any sense. How can I punish myself? What? That's just masochistic. That's not a real thing. That's a construct. God's not here to punish us. God is us. Why would it punish itself? So now that I have gone on the rant that I said I wouldn't go on, let's talk about how we receive specific lessons, big karmic lessons that kind of show up as patterns through our lives. We choose them. I know I didn't really get into this in the last one, um, but I believe that you have full awareness when you are no longer in your body. So when you're between lives, you, among other things, are choosing how you want to experience the next life. And you can decide to take some unfinished business if you think it would be fun or important to your soul's evolution. But I think for the most part, it's kind of a clean slate situation. 
I'm sure we could find some storyline moving from one life to the other. Just because you may have learned, um, you may have found something really amazing. And now you want to experience the other side of that. So you'll like turn the tables for your next life. But for the most part, I think that in between, our souls are just deciding what adventure they want to go on next. We decide what our karma is for this lifetime. In my mind, Mother Earth, Gaia, is one organism. And she is transmuting the pain of separateness. That's really all it is boiled down. We just want to stop feeling separate. We want to heal that wound. And so we, incarnating as pieces of Gaia, we get to choose what form of the wound of separateness we want to heal. So your karma that you come into this life with is not a a checklist of everything that you need to be punished for. It's more like a to-do list or a mission that your soul has written for itself so that you can clear, transmute, transform very specific parts of this illusion of separateness. So we get to imprint our vessels, our bodies, with the specific types of karma that we want to receive, experience, whatever word you want to use. And what we're really doing is agreeing to find certain connections. We're agreeing to pull pieces of our fractured consciousness back together so that we can ascend to unity. We are agreeing to be born into a lower vibrational or shadow aspect of a frequency of a certain wound so that we can transmute it into its higher truth by connecting it back to the whole. And we do this by just connecting it back to ourselves by owning that shadow, owning that low vibration, and accepting it as a part of us and pulling it up to its highest potential. So whatever your biggest struggles in life have been, whatever that underlying theme, that current that flows through all of your trauma, whatever that is, that is your gift. That is what you decided to come here to heal. That is what you are born to transmute. It might feel like a punishment, but that's only because that's what we've been told. That's how we've been conditioned to think. Something happens that is uncomfortable or painful, it must be bad, and we must be experiencing it because we're bad or if we're a more reactive person, because others are bad. And when we do that, we dishonor ourselves. When we do that, we throw away the gifts that we planted within our bodies 
before we incarnated. When we turn away from the suffering that we asked for, that we picked for ourselves, we limit ourselves. We shove ourselves into a teeny tiny little box that we can never escape from because we have the keys, but we don't see them for what they are. We see them as weapons, as something to be fearful of, instead of as our pathways to ascension, as our roadmap to our own personal enlightenment. There's so many sayings where the gist is, face your fears because they are your true treasures. But I don't think we all necessarily grasp like what that really means. They're not just fancy words. It's the truth. You cannot grow. You cannot evolve. You cannot heal yourself or others if you are not deeply acquainted with your own suffering. I want to use myself as an example here. For me, 2020 was a year for setting boundaries. I had to set boundaries with my best friends. I had to set boundaries with my mom. I had to set a really, really firm boundary with my stepdad. I had to set boundaries at work. And at first, I fell into the trap of projecting outwards. The amount of times that I said, this person needs to respect my space. This person should respect my boundaries. These people shouldn't expect me to overextend myself. And I put the blame on other people because I was in pain. I was being stretched way too thin. I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't even myself for most of it. But that experience was a gift because the moment I realized that it wasn't them, it was me, I could fix it. I could ascend. I changed my outward statements to be inward statements. I should respect my boundaries. I shouldn't overextend myself. I should let myself be healthy. Try this just for maybe a week and see what changes happen. Whenever you are faced with something painful outside of you, whether it's a, a small event, something at work, something with your partner, a friend, family member, when you experience something that triggers an unpleasant emotion within you, pause, retreat inward, and ask, where am I doing this to myself? If someone is judging you for being weird, ask, where in my body do I hold judgment of myself because I think that I'm weird and it's not acceptable. If people are over and over meeting you with anger, turn inward. Ask yourself, where are you holding anger? 
I would be surprised if things did not change very quickly once you make a shift in your perspective like that. And you can apply it to those big things as well. Things that have followed you since childhood. Really, that's where all of the trauma that we picked flourishes. <laughs> you know, after we pick what trauma, um, what karma we want to clear, we plop ourselves right into the perfect experience, the perfect setting to make those wounds very well known so that we can find them and heal them. So do this in your daily life and maybe also think back to something that you've struggled with since your childhood and then heal the part of you that was being reflected in other people. If you didn't feel loved as a kid, heal the part of yourself that doesn't think you deserve love. If you were constantly talked over and not listened to when you were a kid, turn inward and heal the part of yourself that doesn't think you deserve to be listened to, that doesn't think you have anything worthy to say. Again, this doesn't make abusive behavior okay, and it doesn't diminish your trauma. But right now, at this point in our planet's evolution, we can't stay the victims of our traumas. If we want Gaia to ascend, if we want to heal the planet, we need to heal ourselves. We need to take responsibility for our unpleasant, painful experiences and honor them by transmuting them into their gold, into their higher gift. When you can see the gift in your pain, when you can look at your external reality and see the role that you played in creating it, even if it was your higher self, even if it is something that you decided before you were born and it's taken you a few decades to finally understand. As soon as you can see that everything that is outside of you exists first and foremost inside of you, you begin to heal. You're healing yourself, but you're also healing the collective because we really are all one. We're playing out roles for each other to help each other ascend. And when you become conscious of that, you move through the world differently. When you realize that everything that's caused you pain exists inside of you, you realize that everything exists inside of you. The whole universe exists inside of you. All the love exists inside of you. And you can find a common ground with humanity. Think about a world where everybody's like that. Think about a world where as soon as someone experiences pain or fear, they turn inward and they look for the cause of that experience within themselves. And then they heal it and go back out into the world as a more full, more enlightened version of themselves because of the pain that they just felt. It wouldn't take all of us. We won't all flip this switch at once, but even just a pocket of us 
sharing this kind of unconditional understanding and love with each other, it will domino out. It will spread out and touch everyone eventually. And we will get there. So this is where I'm going to leave part one. If you want to continue this conversation, head over to part two, which is episode three.